Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. There's a wonderful author, uh, an older man who's written books for a number of years. His name is Nelson Price. And uh, he said the following as I opened the message this morning. He said only 5% of the drug and alcohol addicts live on Skid Row. That's on the streets. Many attend our churches regularly. Addicts are good actors and actresses, and our congregations are filled with actors and actresses. Quite a shocking statement. The reason he said that is this. We all have addictive natures. The sinful nature has an addiction quality to it, and he's easily drawn into addiction, eating, spending, gambling, drugs, alcohol, approval addiction, and let's not forget sugar. How many of you know it's very easy to become addicted, and all of us can easily become addicted, and so easy to point at others, oh, he's an addict, oh, he's an alcoholic, but in all of us, there's an addictive nature, and often, It's the excess of a normal desire that the enemy gets hold of and then we follow through on it and then we become trapped and it controls us. Someone anonymously said this. uh, This is the definition of of addiction. When you can stop and don't want to and when you want to stop, you can't. That's addiction. I want to speak to you today about understanding and overcoming our addictions. Notice the message has two components. Understanding and overcoming our addictions. It would be easy for me to speak about overcoming, but you need to understand the nature of addiction. Erwin Litzer, the wonderful author, wrote a book called Seven Snares of the Enemy, and he said this, he said, addiction knows no boundaries of class, gender, or vocation. Millions of men are addicted, so are millions of women and teenagers. In a shocking thing, he says, members of the clergy, doctors, attorneys, and accountants have chemical dependency. You see, you might think it's unusual to be talking about this in church and not at a recovery meeting, but the Bible addresses us as to the church and church leaders on the issue of dependency. In fact, starting out in Titus chapter 2 and verse 3, Paul writes to Titus and he says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers, or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. In other words, those who are living as examples are in danger of becoming addicted themselves. This is not to the lowdowns and the people. This is to serious leadership and people who are key in the church. Watch out, because while they're teaching, they themselves could become trapped. We need to pay attention to this. This is the NIV. This is not some obscure translation that's using the word addicted. In Isaiah chapter 5, it says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. That speaks about addiction. So we know the Bible says that, uh, you know, Jesus turned water into wine, and it also says, Paul writing to Timothy, use a little wine. But we know the danger of having a little. If you've ever opened a bar of chocolate and said, I'll just have two blocks, you know what I'm talking about. Amen? You see, F. Scott Fitzgerald warns of the danger of alcohol, and he says, first you take a drink, then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes you. 
Isn't that the truth? I don't want to labor the point here, but Proverbs chapter 20, wine produces mockers, alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. So we do need to pay attention to our addictive nature and understand that we all have it. So today we shouldn't be thinking of someone else we can send this message to. We should be saying, what are my addictions? Plural. See, we think it's, you know, it's always that alcohol or that cocaine or heroin, but it applies to most things. And if you're a shopper at Woolworths and you've ever bought those small yogurts, you will know one is not enough. I think there's a resonance in the room. Russell Brand is an actor that many know, a notorious reputation for being a womanizer and drugs and drink and lived a wild life. And uh, he wrote a book called Freedom from Our Addictions, and I like the title, and he, he struggled with alcohol, with sex, with food, with uh, heroin, uh, even said he was addicted to eBay, couldn't stop buying stuff on eBay, and I think he's become a Christian, I'm not quite sure reading about him, but the book is good, and he quote, in, in the book he says this, he says addiction is when natural biological imperatives, like the need for food, sex, relaxation, or status, become prioritized to the point of destructiveness. See, it's a normal thing. And then he says it is exacerbated by a culture that understandably exploits this mechanic as it's a good way to sell Mars bars and Toyotas. I mean, you know, all our appetites are being fed through marketing so that we'll, we'll get into overconsumption. It, it's driven and our appetites are driven and marketing and design and everything. I read a very good book many years ago. I may have quoted it in preaching. It's called Salt, Sugar, Fat by Michael Moss. And in the book, he describes how the food industry has designed the exact correct amount of fat, sugar, and salt in products so that you just can't stop eating them. How many of you ever opened a packet of chips and said, I'll just have a few? And then later, you're scraping the bottom, even licking your lips. How many of you know that these, it cre it, those things are meant to create an addiction? That's why Krispy Kremes are not sold in singles. They're sold in boxes. Because you just can keep going back and wasting packaging. So you might as well buy eight or 12 at once. And I can see some people clapping hands here in the front, slapping high fives. We have addictive natures, and it's our natural drives. If we understand it, we won't be condemned, but we'll know how to deal with our lives. Are you with me? Because you get led into it through sugar, through food, and then you end up elsewhere. And uh, to understand this, it's very important because, you know, why is it that we can't stop? Well, there's something that happens when you have pleasurable experiences. Like if you gamble, it's a pleasurable experience. Dopamine is released in your brain. It's a pleasure path is created. Uh, if you gamble, if you watch pornography, the same thing happens. Dopamine is released, and it creates pleasure. And if you eat certain kinds of food, certain, certain things in your life will release dopamine and create a pleasure. Well, that's why you want to keep doing it. But here's the problem. As you do it more and more, it has less and less effect on you. Talk to people who gamble. They hate themselves. They're miserable. But they think lady luck will smile on them one day. So they keep doing it, and yet they're more and more miserable. Can I give you some advice? Thus saith the Lord if you gamble. And, and we know no one gambles you, but you might have a relative. tell you this about gambling. The house always wins. 
Do not think lady luck next week, I've used this machine for three hours, it must now pay out, no. That's why when you go play the tables and you, you take those dice and, and you make the sign of the cross and you do all sorts of stuff and as soon as you start winning, they close the table down because the house always wins. But we get trapped in it, why? Because dopamine is released. Now that happens with food, happens with pornography, happens with gambling, happens with alcohol, happens with cocaine. That's why once you've had a snort, you stay up here. <laughs> and so you want another one, but the next one doesn't take you quite that high. It only gives you, a that's why if you watch Narcos and all these programs, you see the guys just keep on, keep on, until the whole inside of the nose is eaten away. Because what you get in the beginning is this, but eventually it barely lifts you. Talk to pornography and addicts. They watch pornography for years. Eventually, looking at naked, most beautiful naked bodies doesn't have any impact. That's why people end up doing strange things because it leads you into perversion and dopamine. So these things are dangerous. We're not being condemned this morning. We're recognizing our makeup. Are you with me? Now, here's an interesting thing. Even social media releases dopamine because we need approval. I read a fascinating book here, Anne Lemke, it's called Dopamine Nation, and I'll quote her here, she says, because we have transformed the world from a place of scarcity to a place of overwhelming abundance, drugs, food, news, gambling, shopping, gaming, texting, sexting, Facebooking, Instagramming, YouTubing, tweeting, I did that pretty well. The increased numbers, variety, and potency of highly rewarding stimuli today is staggering. How many of you would say amen? She goes on to say this, the smartphone is the modern day hypodermic needle, delivering digital dopamine 24 seven for a wired generation. If you haven't met your drug of choice yet, it's coming soon to a website near you. How true is that? See, we need that stimulus. But what happens to you when you watch social media? You've got to be careful, because if people are doing worse than you, you get a rush. But as soon as someone is doing better than you, and we all know social media, you present the best and hide the rest. We never show empty pic building, uh, pictures of empty building. We choose the best picture when we post. Come on, you do the same. You take all of them, and, and then you go through it, and filter, and then, and then you post. I know you. <laughs> See, the culture feeds us through all these things to get our appetite stimulated until we're addicted. I read recently, and this is not to condemn anybody, that the porn industry brings in, at the top level, $97 billion a year. The food industry brings in $7,200 billion, not rand. And if you've watched Narcos, you would have seen that the demand for cocaine from the 70s during to, due to, through to the early 90s, Pablo Escobar, the famous Colombian drug lord, he was bringing in $55 million a day. Now listen, 55 million rand a day would have been a lot. Do you know how much it is in rand? One billion rand a day. Now you can look at Pablo Escobar, and he was a bad guy, so... <clears throat> but there was a demand. There were noses that were eager <laughs> to sniff that powder. Why? Because of our addictive nature. 
And it's a tragedy. I was reading that there are 22 million users in, the, in America, illegal users of substance. And the illegal drug market in the world brings in $360 billion a year. It's fed by addictions. So let's look at two things here and understanding it. Are you with me this morning? First thing to do is, and I've already spoken of it, but understand it and don't minimize it. You see, if you think that it's, well, it's other people, or it's a disease, you're either born with it or you aren't, you're missing the point. Because the Bible tells me that actually we don't need therapy, it's actually a problem in sinful nature, and mostly it is selfishness. A lot of these things you do on your own. Mark Twain said this, I love it, he says, of course I'm not addicted to smoking, I've quit a thousand times. Dennis Prager says this in his book, Think a Second Time. He says, people have become addicted to fame, money, and attention as deeply as they become addicted to drugs. It's in us. It's, the propensity is there. Don't minimize it. Recognize it. The Bible warns us about our addictions, and it speaks about the whatever of what we're bound to. 2 Peter chapter 2 says, for you are a slave to whatever controls you, your addiction of choice. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. Jesus should be our Lord and Master, not substances. We shouldn't be controlled by anything. And it's sad to see people offer up their families, their lives, their health, their jobs on the altar of addiction. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, the philosopher, said, no one is as hopelessly enslaved as the person who thinks he's free. You see, in a lot of grace teaching today, which is quite wonderful, there is a balance to it. And Paul writing here about our behaviors and habits and desires in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, you say I'm allowed to do anything. That's because of grace. We're not under law. But he says, but not everything is good for you. And then this key, three key words here, and even though I'm allowed to do anything, I mustn't become a slave to anything. That's what he's saying is I will not be mastered. It's so easy to be mastered and controlled by these things. Anne Lemke in her book, To Open My Nation, says addiction broadly defined is the continued and compulsive consumption of a substance or behavior, and then she lists gambling, gaming, sex, despite its harm to self and or others. Quite a crazy thing. I was reading my uh, devotions this morning, and Psalm 10 says this. He says, the wicked boast about their cravings. Go to parties. People aren't ashamed of this. Hey, hey, <laughs> I've, been, I've been snorting all night. Come. Check, check, check the quality of my powder. Have you had this weed? It's seedless. <laughs> now, some of you are shocked that I still know this stuff. Yeah, I do. Used to trade in it. Used to send LSD to London. Sorry. Used to send marijuana to London in chocolate cakes. Happy birthday, Pierre. And he used to send back LSD from Amsterdam. Clear light, it was called. You saw stuff. It wasn't clear, though, but you saw stuff. <laughs> so I know about these things, and we can boast about them. Dangers up. Trap you. So don't minimize it. Understand how it works. And realize it's your natural life, but it'll trap you. In fact, the American uh, National Institute on Drug Abuse says this, addiction happens because addictive, addictive substances trigger an outsized response when they reach the brain. Instead of simple pleasurable surge of dopamine, many drugs of abuse, such as opioids, cocaine, or nicotine, cause dopamine to flood the reward pathway 10 times more than a natural reward. 
That's what's working here. It says the brain remembers the surge and associates it with the addictive substance. However, with chronic use of the substance, over time, the brain circuits adapt and become less sensitive to dopamine. Achieving that pleasurable sensation becomes increasingly important, but at the same time, you build tolerance and you need more and more of that substance to generate the level of high that you crave. Some of you are like, I, I can't relate to that. Let me bring it down to yogurt from Woolworths. You can buy one and eat it, then you start needing two. Then eventually you will need four because the same level of satiety and enjoyment is not the same. And you get like, because it's of our human nature. So here's my point. Recognize it, don't feel condemned, but don't minimize it. Second thing about it is this. Addictions offer pleasure without responsibility. We often are so self-focused on satisfying ourselves without any sense of responsibility, but then later it affects everything in our lives. Gambling, it's, it's, like, we, we want, it's like a private thing. I want to make money. I don't want to work. It's selfish. Pornography is the same. I can enjoy these images without any relationship, except it doesn't work. Isn't that true? Alcohol, it's a personal escape. I can have a couple of drinks at home. No one knows. It's, it's, uh, I don't have any responsibility. I can escape my responsibility. Same with drugs. But we become slaves, the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose. Isn't that a good word? You can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. So understand it, recognize the selfish nature of it, recognize how easily you can be trapped, and then let's look at seven ways to overcome it. Some of you say, amen, let's get there this morning. Number one, ha admit you have an addiction or addictions. <laughs> hmm? If you don't admit it, you can never be free. In fact, David Stafford in his book, Codependency, describes it. He says, alcoholism is above all a disease of denial. You'll never get free if you deny it. Isn't that true? Someone once said, before, before you can break out of prison, you must realize you're locked up. <laughs> so we've got to admit our addiction. Uh, many of you wouldn't know this, but J.K. Rowling, the, the uh, authoress of her Harry Potter series, she became an alcoholic. The fame and the pressure became too much for her. So she started drinking, and it was only when she realized that her life was a complete mess did she turn around. She said, rock bottom became the solid foundation on which I rebuilt my life. Now we know Jesus Christ is the solid foundation, but she got to a place where she couldn't go any lower. Then she woke up and said, I think I've got a problem. Because if you're famous and rich and you can wear nice clothes and go to nice places, you can smother your addiction. But when you admit it, I've got an issue with food, I've got an issue with sugar, I've got an issue with gambling, I've got an issue with cocaine. It's no longer that recreational use where I can control it. I have to admit I am an addict. It's very quiet in this Methodist church this morning. Mark chapter 2, remember what Jesus said here. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Number two, the second thing here in overcoming it is overcome defeatist attitudes and take responsibility. So you don't just take responsibility, you first got to deal with that I can't. No, you can't. You've got to believe you can, and then you've got to take responsibility to overcome it. The two go together. Otherwise, you take responsibility. Yeah, you see, I tried again. I can't. No, no, you've got to get rid of that attitude. You've got to believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
I don't need to be a prisoner. I make the decision, yet I rely on the grace of God. Anonymous person once said this, and I think it's pretty profound. He says, someone once told me, I heard you finally got rid of your addiction. I smiled and said, no, addiction doesn't work like that. Once you have it, you will always have it. I just chose not to feed it. So you're not defeatist, you just recognize, hey, this is an issue, and I have to always deal with it, but I will beat it. I love what it says in James chapter one, and we tend to blame other people, isn't that true? When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Uh, uh, that propensity is in us. Then after desire is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. You see, it's a process that starts, and we need to recognize it, and we need to be on guard, church. Even in the area of food, we need to be on guard. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone not to tempt, but to devour. His goal is destruction. Resist him. Can you see personal responsibility? Resist him, standing firm in the faith. James says the same thing in James chapter four. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. Something's gotta be done and he will flee from you. I love that, that's a promise. And then God says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Wonderful thing. And so we've gotta be careful that we don't become defeatist. Oh, well, I can't. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm born like this. You know, I've got one of those genes, you know. And if you've got a parent that's an addict in some way, you say, my father gave it to me, my mother. No, no, it's very simple. Irvin Litzer in his book, The Seven Snares of the Enemy, says, like throwing a piece of meat to a ferocious tiger, the more these appetites are fed, the stronger they return, insisting on more. So we determine that we are going to admit it, we're not going to be defeated. We're going to take responsibility. Number three, this is very, very important. A lot of people fall down here. Develop a picture of your future. See, vision, if you're making notes today, vision for the future is the only thing that gives power in the present. You've got to see yourself healed, strong, walking in Jesus, reigning in life. See yourself as an overcomer. If you're an addict of a substance, even injectable substance, you've got to see yourself clean, clear-headed. I can be sober. I see myself there. A vision in the present gives, sorry, a vision of the future gives power in the present. And it's so good to develop a picture of your life. Someone said this, a lot of anonymous quotes, you don't get over an addiction by stopping using. You recover by creating a new life where it is easier not to use. If you don't create a new life, then all the factors that brought you to your addiction will catch up with you again. Never forget, it was on the way through the wilderness that Israel was being told all the time, you're heading to the promised land, a land of milk and honey, a land where there'll be no scarcity, a land where the Lord your God will bless you, be the head and not, not the tail, above and not beneath, and God's got good plans for your life. And, and they lost sight of it. Now notice when they lost sight of it, what, was, what happened to them. In the book of Numbers chapter 11, it says, therefore, the name of that place was called Kibroth Hatabah, because there they buried the people who had the craving. How good is that verse? You know what that verse tells me? It tells me that cravings will bury your potential. But you've got to see your potential and determine to go on with God. Number four, is this helping anyone? 
Determined to reign in life, not be ruled by life. Too many people are ruled by life circumstances, by their appetites. Christians are not meant to be ruled. They're meant not to be victims. We're meant to be victors, and we're meant to rule and reign with Christ. Isn't that true? Romans 5 and verse 17, speaking of people who are saved, it says they, that's us, and I abbreviated the text because of the sake of time, they that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, that's us, it says we reign in life through the one, even Jesus Christ. We're meant to rule and reign, not be ruled. Galatians chapter 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. See, a lot of what we're facing here is not like we don't know. What, what we're facing is we know, we know about stuff, it's just we can't stop doing it. When you're eating a packet of chips by yourself, the big one, <laughs> I'm talking about the little one, the little one, but only the little one. You know what happens with the little one? I wish I'd bought two. You, you tell yourself as you're doing it, this is refined carbs, there's fat in here, there's trans fats in here. And I, I don't do this often, but I did do it last week. Actually, I did it yesterday. And it's not knowledge. We lack the strength. Walter Brueggemann was a theologian, and he describes this. He, 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 says, he says, I find myself discovering that mostly I do not need more advice, but strength. I do not need new information, but the courage, freedom, and authorization to act on what I have already been given in the gospel. How many of you know if you smoke, and if you smoke, you're just no condemnation. The stuff on the packet is graphic. You, you don't suddenly pick up that packet and go, I never saw this. These lungs, my word. Babe, have you seen that? We know, but we don't know. Our, our addiction over, so we need strength. And the only way is to rule and reign in life with Christ. We have to constantly tell ourselves, I'm meant to be reigning. I'm not meant to be ruled over. Hmm? Tell your neighbor, let's reign. Let's not be ruled over. Number five, you need to transfer your faith from the substance to faith in God. I could have said there from the behavior or substance would have been too long. But you've got to try, you see, we put our faith in the behavior or in the substance instead of putting our faith in God. In other words, we look for satisfaction, meaning, and fulfillment in the activity or the substance instead of in God. And here's often what happens. If you sniff cocaine, you get an instant injection. <laughs> we like instant gratification. We don't like waiting for God to fully satisfy us. We've got to wait. We've got to not run into these things and let them take hold of us and put our faith in them. People put their faith in drugs. I, I can't cope without it. Put their faith in gambling. No, you need to put your faith in the Lord. Yeah, but I need money. I know you do. So do I. Well, you are unique that you need money and I don't. No, you, you, Lord, I trust you for my future. Your word talks about prosperity. I'm not seeing it. I haven't seen it for two years. I haven't seen it for three years. In fact, it's got worse. But I still put my faith in God. I do not put my faith in some organization or machine or table. Now, it's a tragedy. Listen, we, we went away recently to the, 
the, uh, what's it called? Sun City, the whole complex. We stayed there. The hotels are nice there, and we go into the game park next door, and it's just wonderful break. Went straight off to church on Sunday morning, and then drove there, and it was nice. Our anniversary, nice thing to do, but to see the people sitting at those machines, all people our age, and you can see, I trust in it, my Savior, one who will never transfer your faith to God and it's people who got to our age who haven't been successful maybe through whatever circumstance are now hoping for that instead of putting their faith in God having peace just enjoying the money they got instead of putting their false hope in a machine that's been designed to win See, we need to wait for God. Psalm 40 describes it like this. Look here. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. It's a place where you're trapped. And he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. I'm not sinking anymore. I'm not stuck. Put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. We can get free. And I want to say this, when you're addicted to something and you do get free, here's what you've got to watch out for. A lot of people who are addicts, serious addicts, they get free, and then you know what? After walking in freedom for a while, they get into pride. And then you know what they tell themselves? Listen to me. I can do this just once. I've got it under control. Big mistake with alcohol, cocaine, heroin, pornography. I just look once. No, you won't. You go down the rabbit hole. You've got to say, I'm going away. I'm looking to God. I'm trusting Him. My faith is in Him for my satisfaction. Number six, two more quickly here. Are you, you you're being helped today? Here's a very important one if you want to overcome addiction. Once you're getting through the breakthrough, and especially if it's serious, make right with people you have harmed. See if your addiction has caused harm to others then you need to make right with them. Don't just tell them, hey, I've come right. They're thinking, geez, how much money do you owe me still? <laughs> now you just come in, you've come right. You must come right, right. <laughs> Amen? At least go and say, I've come right. I owe you money. I'm acknowledging that. I hurt you. I was driven. You know? You'd be amazed how people are gracious and how they respond. Danny Trejo is a famous actor and uh, spent several stints in prison, grew up with gangs and terrible life. I think he, he's uh, a Mexican and uh, was addicted to heroin, wrote a book called My, My Life of Crime, Redemption and Hollywood. I think he's become a believer. I'm not quite sure at what level. I'm always careful with that. But he says this. He says, when you're an addict, you think the only person you're hurting is you. And that's not true. He recognized that he destroyed everyone else around him and he needed to make right with him. James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. You know what I found? God always honors humility. And if you go and humble yourself, he will restore you. Sometimes people will forgive you. They'll even forgive you debt. But don't presume on it. Do what's right and trust God. Number seven. You all still good? Give your life to Jesus and find salvation. You say, oh, okay, this last point's for those people in the room who don't know Jesus. No, it's for everybody. We need to keep giving our lives to Jesus because sometimes the part we haven't given him is that part. 
and we need to find salvation. Salvation, is, as we heard just recently again, is the Greek word sozo, which doesn't mean just saved from sin. It means saved holistically. Your whole life is saved and redeemed. Paul, in writing to Titus, says this. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us, this is what salvation does, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. What are worldly passions? Appetites, drives, addictions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So we don't wait for heaven, we, we, we live it now. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice there that Jesus is called the great God and Savior who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself, change, transform a people that are very, of his very own, eager to do what is good. Jesus offers us freedom, new life. He frees us from three things, sin, shame, and regret. And I'll tell you what happens when you're addicted, shame comes into your life. And when you give your life to Jesus, sin is dealt with. God, that, that which separates us from God, shame is removed. Regret is taken away. We can start again. And listen, getting over addiction is not easy, but it is absolutely worth it. And we need to be strong as believers from those of us who are addicted to yogurt right up to those who are addicted to cocaine or heroin. We need to become free from our addictions because we're meant to reign in life, not be ruled over. Can you say amen? We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.